This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Yeah! You guys are so amazing. It's so beautiful to see all of you here. What a great joy to be able to worship with you tonight. You are so brave to come out on a night like that. The Lord is smiling on you. And you guys online, we're happy to have you with us, but we'd rather have you right here, okay? Can you believe, family, that it's like the middle of April almost, and in four days we have Easter again. And as I said this morning, it's such a great time to invite people. Proven fact, 83% of people that are invited to come to church over Christmas... I'm like Pastor Theo now. He said, put on the Christmas carols. <laughs> Over Easter, are more likely to attend, right? So we're going to bring all of our family, bring all of our friends, be here. There's only one service on the Friday, right? Only for one hour, and then only our two services on Sunday morning. You're going to be here? Listen, if you're here tonight, I know you're going to be here. Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> Amen. So do I need to do anything else? No, I can carry on. So you're with me tonight, and I'm really, really excited to be able to share with you. I want to say thank you to Apostle Thea and Dr. Bev. I take this such a great privilege to be able to stand behind this pulpit and minister to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. So can we just close our eyes for a moment and open in prayer? Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with me. Precious Jesus, thank you for this amazing teaching that you personally did on the hillside in Galilee, that we can learn so much about what you want from our lives, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I can't do this on my own. I know I'm nothing without you. And as I submit myself completely to you right now, I thank you that you take this good seed, the Word of God, into our hearts, which is good soil. And thank you for a mighty harvest Thank you, Father God, that many others will receive simply because of the harvest in each one of our lives tonight. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and give you alone all the praise and the glory and the honor for all that you do in amongst us tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, family, as I said, I'm so excited to be able to share with you. We are now on part five of our nine-part series on the Beatitudes. And how many of you have been loving it? Hasn't it just been so awesome? And so what this really is, just a bit of a recap, it's the preamble to the Sermon on the Mount, which is actually like the greatest sermon ever taught in in the history of mankind, where, as I said, you have Jesus, and he's on this hillside in Galilee, and he's really teaching the people how to live a life according to what God expects of us. And yes, we've got these nine principles, and some of them very challenging, but really very beautiful. And he starts all of them with this word blessed. And this word blessed does not mean, well, you know, I've got a lot of stuff, and so I'm a blessed person. It actually is the word makarius, which if you directly translate it, it also has been translated as happy. But it's far deeper than that, you know, because I can be happy because the sun's shining, happy because I get a gift, happy because I win a prize. But it's kind of that, that soul condition deep down within. You know, it is well with my soul. But I like to call it joy because joy is not circumstantial, right? And Jesus says this amazing thing. He says, you are going to be blessed in the most unlikely places. For example, blessed are the poor in spirit. And on those days where you're really having such a rough day that all you want is just somebody to hold you, 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Who would have thought you would have found this deep-seated joy there? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness' sake. And tonight, actually a very challenging one, one that is very uncommon in our culture and something hardly anybody ever does anymore, and that is blessed are the merciful. And we see this in Matthew 5, verse 7, and he carries on to say, for they will receive mercy. Now I'm going to come back to that, to that last part in a moment. I just want to talk about this word mercy. If you look that up in the Webster's Dictionary, it's defined as compassionate and kindly. And then there's this amazing word, which is forbearance. And what that means is, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a pass. It's something that can really, really bug me, but I'm going to make a decision that I'm actually just going to give it a pass. Right? And it carries on and it says towards an offender and an enemy and other person in one's control. And that, that's an amazing thought if you think about it, family. Because, you know, God is saying here that, that we've got to show mercy even when it's really difficult. The way I like to define it is mercy is not giving somebody something that, that they deserve. Because they were wrong. What they did was wrong. But I'm just not going to do it. Now, grace is actually exactly the opposite of that. Grace is that thing that we receive that we don't deserve. We were saved by grace. I mean, God didn't have to do it, but he gave it to us anyway. And then he also gives us mercy in that he doesn't give us that which we actually do deserve. Amen. And honestly, family, if ever we were li living in an unmerciful world, man, it's right now. Amen. I mean, people will criticize you, condemn you, cancel you, and just almost take a little bit of pride in the process. I really just think that we are living in probably one of the meanest societies ever. You know, it's just that it's almost like people have become great judges of other people's sin, but great lawyers of their own. You know, quick to say, well, that's what you did wrong, and that's what you said wrong, and, and, and almost don't give you another chance. But when it comes to them, they're like, oh, no, 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 let me just tell you about this. You know, but Jesus is saying this. He says, man, if we can learn this art of mercy, of giving mercy, there's this great, deep-seated, soul-satisfying joy that comes with that. Now, listen, you guys don't look very joyful so I'm going to tell you a joke, which is something I never do, but Pastor Johnny's not here. So I it's this joke about, am I allowed to still tell fun and jokes? I don't know. Anyway, let's just tell it anyway. So Van is in the pub, okay? So his friend comes up to him and he says, Van, you know, you've got a great big lump on your back. And he's like, what's that all about? He says, you know what? I've got dynamite under my shirt. He's like, what? Why would you have dynamite under your shirt? He says, I'm going to tell you why. Fricky, every time he comes here, he clops me on my back so hard that I was stuck and I choke and I spit all over the place. Tonight, I am going to blow his hand right off. <laughs> now, that's pretty funny, but obviously there's a moral to the story, right? Because family, you know that we kind of live that way. You know, I am going to show you. But what we don't realize, family, that we're actually not hurting them as much as we're hurting ourselves. And Jesus comes along and he says, man, if we can just learn this art of mercy, that letting them off the hook, we're actually letting ourselves off the hook as well. 
see the happy people, the, the joyful people, the blessed people are those that don't hold the stuff inside of our hearts. Amen? And those are the kind of people that, that we really want to be. So what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to show you two places that we can really become this merciful person. And I can tell you, I needed this. I, need, I needed time to really, really spend in this word. And then four places that we really can, I want to shine a bit of a light, a light on where we can be more merciful. Now, obviously, we are meant to show mercy to everyone, right? But I believe that these four places are really going to help us. So to start off with, how can I become a more merciful person? Family, it's simply to remind ourselves how good God has been to us. And we need to remind ourselves every day. Now, we've spoken previously on our 21 days of, of, of live stream prayer on the Lord's Prayer and how important it is for us to use this prayer on a daily basis. Not so much the actual prayer, which obviously we can do, but the elements in the prayer of how to structure our prayers. For example, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We start with giving thanksgiving, praise, and worship to God. It carries on and says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So putting God's agenda before our own. And then we say, it carries on and says, give us this day, our daily bread. So we then continue with our needs. And Jesus is saying right up there where we're talking about our needs, it's a good place to say this, and this is in Matthew 6 verse 12, that Thank you. <laughs> okay, that, let me recommend. God, forgive me. God, forgive me my debts as I forgive people who have debts against me. And God uses this amazing word, debts. And this word particularly is only used twice in the New Testament. And the word debt is not actually talking about that debt, like kind of I need to pay my car, I need to pay my credit card, or I need to pay my house. It's actually a debt that cannot be paid. Another word for it would be almost bankruptcy. It's a debt that we cannot pay. Even if you work 10 jobs for the rest of your life, you're just not going to be able to pay it, right? So we need to remind ourselves that God paid a debt for us that we couldn't pay. I mean, if we had to add up all of our good works, the amount of times you helped that old lady across the road, even when she didn't want to go, <laughs> you just were not going to be able to pay it. And Jesus comes along and he just clears our debt. And I really believe that when we have a revelation of that, it gives us the capacity to forgive others. Let me say it this way. If we think that we need to earn our forgiveness from God, we are going to make others earn our forgiveness. Amen? So the question is this, is why is it then that people are so willing to receive this <laughs> but not so willing to give it. And I think, family, I think it's just we just forget. We forget how good God has been to us. How many of you are glad that your sins are forgiven? Come on, can we just give God some praise right now? Give him praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great mercy towards us. We're speaking about God's great mercy, Ephesians 2 from verse 4. It says this, God's mercy is so abundant and his love for us is so great that while we were spiritually dead, in other words, family, we were headed to hell. In our disobedience, he brought us to life 
in Christ. That's what he did. So the first one is simply that we remind ourselves how good God has been to us. I was spiritually bankrupt. I was headed to spend the rest of eternity in hell, but Jesus came and he set me free. And I believe that when we really think about that, it gives us the capacity. I like to say it this way, the forgiven forgive. But when we don't know that we're forgiven, we're going to judge. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't do that. You'll be far more blessed if you are merciful. Amen. So the second one, I'm going to get a bit heavy on you tonight, if that's okay, is this, is that we need to remember that we are going to face God one day. Don't mean it's going to happen, right? And part of our job as pastors is not just to give you a bit of upliftment on a Sunday, but really to prepare you for this day that is coming. And I'm so grateful to Apostle Theo and Dr. Beth that have done that in our lives so many times because it's going to come and, you know, we're going to have this final exam. How many of you, maybe when you were at school, you may have sort of had to get your test paper and when you get it, you look at it, you're like, they didn't teach me this. That teacher didn't cover this. <laughs> this didn't happen. And then maybe another time you get the exam paper and you're like, oh, yes, I know this. I'm prepared for this. I'm ready for this. Well, family, I'm off the hook from now on because I'm going to tell you about this tonight. <laughs> Amen. Watch this now. We've spoken about the Lord's Prayer. Okay, we all know it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Come on, say it with me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who forgive trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now that's the prayer. Now if you're reading it in Matthew chapter 6, it carries on. And Jesus highlights, and I spoke about this this morning, Jesus highlights one of the seven elements of this prayer, and he puts special attention to it. And I believe this is because there is special importance to this. Have a look at Matthew chapter 6 from verse 14. It says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That rolls pretty nicely off the tongue, doesn't it? But then just in case you didn't get it, he flips it. And he says, But if you don't forgive others their sin, this is a weighty one. Your father will not forgive you your sins. My notes I wrote here, pause for effect. I hope it worked. But family, this is a big deal to Jesus. He told stories about people who didn't live their lives according to the Beatitudes. And he called them the unmerciful. Now, in the New Testament, we don't really see God's wrath. We know him as compassionate and kindly, and his mercies endure forever. But let me tell you, there's nothing that angers God more than when he has poured something into our lives at such great price, and we're not prepared to share it with others. It's true. And so what happens is, and I'm going to paraphrase, I want you to, like you to read uh, Matthew chapter 18, but I'm going to paraphrase it for you real quick now. And that is that, you know, you've got Peter, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, you know, Jesus, I hear you talking about letting people off the hook and letting people off the hook, you know, and okay, so like, what if they offend me again? And what if I let them off the hook and they offend me again? And, and what if they offend me again? <laughs> and then he thinks he's being super spiritual, and he's like, do I have to forgive them like up to seven times? And we know what, Jesus goes back and he says, no, actually, 70 times seven. 
Now I work that out for you. I mean, that's 490 times a day, which is every three minutes in a 24-hour period, if you didn't sleep at all, <laughs> right? And then Jesus carries on, and he tells this amazing story about this king who's settling accounts with his servant, and there's one guy that owes him an enormous amount of money. I mean, by today's standards, it would be like $5 billion, a little bit of an unpayable debt, Right? And of course, he begs for mercy. The king lets him off. And then the very same guy, he goes out, he finds somebody that owes him $10,000. A little bit more manageable, right? And he demands payment straight away. The Bible says, grabs him by the throat, throws him in prison. So the king hears about this, and he's not happy. Calls the guy back. And it's amazing to me, because the Bible says he put him into a prison where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. A little bit of a different connotation there. Now, I want you to hear this and know, family, this was the, 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 the point that he was trying to describe. This is the words of Jesus. And he says this in Matthew 18, 33. Shouldn't you have mercy on others just as I had mercy on you? Now, if we go to James, he even ramps it up even more. James 2, verse 13. It says, so you must show mercy to others. Oh, God will not show mercy on you. Watch this. When he judges you, this day that we're talking about right now, which is, family, this is the great white throne judgment. It's going to happen. It says, and the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. You know, that I can stand before God and say, yes, thank you, God, that you poured out your mercy in my life. And to the best of my ability, I showed mercy to others. I just love what, you know, <laughs> let me just go here rather. I, I'm overwhelmed when I think about the mercy of God. And, and really, if I think about the, the, the culture that we live in right now, family, it just goes against it to live a life of being mercy. If you think about it, I mean, we live in the most divisive culture ever. People are just trying to pit us one against the other. They're trying to destroy relationships, especially Christian relationships. And honestly, I would rather be the ones to say, listen, if I'm going to miss it, let it rather be on the side of showing mercy than judging people. And I'm saying, can we as a church be known that we love too much rather than judge too harshly? Our pastors have been great, great modeling of, of the way that they live their lives like that. How many times, Pastor Andre, we said, okay, it's enough now. But they say, just show mercy, just show mercy. And I can tell you one thing. I don't know what God's going to say to you, but I can tell you something he's not going to say. He's never going to say, you know, Paul, you just love too many people. You were just too kind to them. You were just so merciful all the time. You're just so irritating. He's never going to say that, Right? never going to say that. So I'm just saying that let us all embrace something that the world is saying that we must not be, and let us be the ones that are merciful. In fact, we are called to a ministry of mercy. If I had to change this, this title tonight, instead of it being, blessed be the merciful, it would be our ministry of mercy, because we are called to be agents of mercy in this world that just loves to cancel, condemn, criticize, block, and do all those things. Let's stand against that family, and let's be the ones that, that give mercy. Do you know what Micah says in Micah 6 verse 8? He 
says, what does the Lord require of you? And that's a good question, right? Carries on, he says, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We need to be ministers of mercy. The Apostle Paul talks about it as well in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 16, right? He says, so from now on, and I'd like to say, let's, let's do this. Let's say from now on, right? From now on, we don't regard people from a worldly point of view. The world is trying to pit us one against the other. I mean, it's ANC and DP and North and South and men and women and the latest one, vax and anti-vax. Constantly trying to divide. I mean, you're in this pile and you're in this pile and you're in this pile. They just want to try and separate us and cause dissension and division. And the Bible is saying, don't look at people from a worldly point of view. Do not let CNN and 702 and your neighbor tell you how to view people. Let us look through the lenses of how Jesus sees people. Amen. Praise God. He carries on and then he says, because, I mean, listen to this, we once regarded Christ that way. You know, people would say to you, you know, Jesus loves you. That's the worldly way. And we think, oh, well, whatever, you know. But then we got saved. And we became a new creation. And the Bible says that the old left our lives and we got mercy shown to us. And then he didn't leave it there because he carries on and he says, this mercy, our salvation is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then gave us a ministry of that. So he does it for you, but he says that's not all there is. Now you have to go out there and do the same. And what is that? That is to reconcile people's sin to zero. Now, you may say, listen, I don't know what that means. You're in the right place. I'm an accountant. That's what I do. I do reconciliations. So when I've got two sets of figures, right, and they're supposed to be the same and they're not, I have to find where the differences are. Example, I've got my bank statement. I've got my cash book. I've got to see where the differences are, bringing those differences until it reconciles to zero. That's what reconcile means. It means bring the balance to zero. Amen? So that's what God is asking us to do, that we would go and bring people's balances to zero. So it says, I'm going to help you with this. It carries on. It says, God was reconciling the world to himself. This is what it means. Not counting people's sin against them. Now you may say, but they sinned. But it's not for us to count it against them. We are supposed to be the ones leading them in this process of the same thing that happened to us to bring their balance to zero as well because he commits to us that very message of reconciliation. So that is what we need to be to those people. Amen, family. I just love what C.S. Lewis says, and I'm sure you've probably heard this before. He says, to be a Christian, <laughs> just to be a Christian, means to forgive the inexcusable, because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. Right, so I've got 12 minutes to tell you four places that we're going to show mercy. <laughs> the first one is this, is that we show mercy to people who make mistakes. How many of you have never made a mistake in your whole life before? Oh, no. <laughs> Pastor Andre, okay, now you can <laughs> come minister to us. But family, you know what, think about it. I mean, it's for me really sad when you look at it. How the world, and I'm not excluding the Christian world, 
are so quick to point accusing fingers at other people and yet don't really want to ever look in the mirror themselves. It's sad. It's sad. So the question is this, what is your take on the life of Jesus? I mean, think about this. He took a tax collector who was known to be, I mean, they were known to be money thieves. He brought him onto the, to the team. He made, them, made him one of the disciples. And when I was going through this, you know, I thought it's amazing. It wasn't Matthew that stole money. I mean, it was Judas. He was like the up-and-coming man of power of, you know, all of that stuff of the hour. I mean, and yet it was Matthew that got this revelation of this prophecy of Isaiah of Jesus. Have a look in Matthew chapter 12 from verse 17. It says, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant. This is God says about Jesus, right? Whom I have chosen. He is my beloved and the way he lives his life pleases me. How many of you would love God to say it about you? I would. Look at the next line. It says, he will not fight. So he's not up in people's faces. And that's not what the church is supposed to look like. We're not supposed to be that group that are known for what we're against. We're supposed to be these people that says, yes, you messed up there, but you can be free. You can be free from all of your sin, and God can bring your balance to zero. Right? We're not supposed to be fighting or shouting, the Bible's talking about. And it carries on, he says, Jesus does not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering flame. What does that mean? Well, a reed is this little plant that grows in the water. And because it grows in the water, it's very, very tender. It's mostly made up of water. So you can literally nip it off with your two fingers, not like a branch of a, of a tree. But because it's like that, even if you just brush up against it, it bruises. And when it bruises, it falls over. So it looks untidy. So you just want to nip it, just take it away. <laughs> Same as a flickering flame. It's just going nowhere. Just blow it out. But that's not what Jesus did, family. When Jesus saw people struggling, he showed them mercy. In James 2 verse 13, it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Say that after me. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. So in this judging world, let us live out this fifth beatitude. And why not? A bruised reed, let's lift it up, build it up again. That flickering flame, let's fan it back into flame. How many times we've done counseling and people have just been told they are no good all of their lives. Let's lift those people up. Amen. So number two, those people who let us down. Anybody here ever had anybody let you down? You know what it feels like? It hurts. It hurts. And you know, for me, this is such an appropriate teaching just before Easter because, you know, the most heart-raining scripture for me in the Bible is Jesus on the cross. I mean, spit and blood running off his face and a crown of thorns on his head and he'd been punched and jabbed and, and mocked. And the first words that come out of his mouth, you see this in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. What does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, I'm talking about a man that was, I mean, he was rejected. He was denied. He was abused. He was humiliated. And yet, look, he, he, think about it. He was tormented, spirit, soul, and body. And yet he models for this, this amazing attitude for us. 
And I really believe that, you know, that's what he wants from us. The Bible says that we should do the same. I mean, if you read Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved. I mean, we love that, don't we? It carries on here. It says, and I love this. It says, you need to clothe yourself. In other words, it's not going to get on you automatically, right? You've got to go to the cupboard, and you've got to put it on every day. You know, you know what compassion and mercy is? It's the same as love. It's a choice, right? It's not a feeling. I mean, the feeling says, you spit on me. I don't think so. I'm going to take you out. Yes? But the Bible says, no, 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 no. Go to the wardrobe. You've got to put it on. It's not going to come on you automatically. Compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patiently. And it doesn't stop there. It says, and bear. Remember that word forbearance? Bear with each other and forgive one another. Even, family, if you have an authentic, valid grievance, you've got to go put, I'm sure you can all think of something right now, right? And, and you know what? I mean, I've got somebody in mind, and I know I'm right, just, just like you, but the Bible says, man, I want to go to bed tonight and have my heart at peace and have that deep seats of joy inside of me. Man, the joy and the happiness of those who forgive. Let it go. Just let it go. Amen. You know, unfaithfulness is wrong. Actually, let me, let me just go back here. I just want to say this. We can get mad or we can just show mercy intentionally. How many of you heard of Max Lucado? He's a very, very popular Christian author. And he writes this book called How to Get the Applause of Heaven. Beautiful, beautiful story. And it is about forgiveness and the Beatitudes. And, and he says this, unfaithfulness is wrong. So what they did was wrong, okay? But revenge is worse. And the worst part of it all is that without forgiveness, we become just very, very bitter people. So it's better just to show mercy. So number three, the third one is, is those that are far from God. And if you've been in Christian Family Church for any length of time, you will know that this auditorium, all these facilities, we believe God for these facilities to bring in the lost. It wasn't for church people. And how many of you are glad about that? Because half of us wouldn't be here, right? So family, that's what it's all about. I mean, Here's the thing, we want to look like Jesus. We want the person that might be completely messed up to feel completely comfortable in that row right there next to you. I mean, think about it. What did they say about Jesus? He can't be close to God. I mean, look at the people he hangs out with. He's got harlots hanging around him. Did Jesus approve of the lifestyle of a harlot? No. He just knew he had to connect before he could correct. Amen? I mean, think about Zacchaeus. Little dude, like our little timber. But Zacchaeus was a noted thief, right? I mean, he was the one that climbed up in the sycamore tree, right? And what happened was um, Jesus looked up to him. You know the first thing he said? Do you want to go to lunch? <laughs> right? Let's go back to, to Matthew. Matthew chapter 9 from verse 10. When Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw that, they were like, oh, why are you doing this? Watch this now. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy that need the doctor. It's the sick. How many of you are glad about that? And then he says this. And family, I want you to hear this as if Jesus was talking to you personally right now. Go and learn 
what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So I really believe that we are walking into a season of enormous growth. It is time to come home. COVID is over forever. Time to come home. Right, number four, the one I said was going to surprise you a little bit, that we need to show mercy to ourselves. And I believe that I really heard from God, and maybe this is you online right now, or anyone here in any one of the auditoriums. Family, I think there's somebody here, man, you need to show some mercy to yourself. You've just not been able to forgive yourself. And you're feeling like David describes in Psalm 38 from verse 4. I mean, he says, I feel like I'm drowning in a flood of my own sins. Nobody did this to me. I'm doing it to myself, and it's killing me. And it's a burden that's become too heavy to bear because I've been foolish, and I'm utterly worn out, crushed, and my heart is troubled. And this is how you're feeling right now. I've disappointed God. Let me say, you haven't. Remember that disappointment is a gap between expectation and reality. And God knew the beginning from the end. And I want you to know he still loves you. He still calls you. He still wants you. He believes in you. And you just need to show some mercy to yourself right now. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 13, we really see how, I mean, God just chooses the most unlikely people. Paul writes nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. And family, the Bible tells us he was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor, a violent man. But he was shown mercy. I mean, he acted in ignorance and unbelief. But the grace of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, was poured out over him abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. And it says this, and I'm going to be closing shortly. Okay, it says this. It's a trustworthy saying. It deserves full acceptance. And I'm asking you to fully accept this. Christ Jesus came into the world not to make you sorry. He wants you free. He didn't want you in pain. He wants you in freedom. He doesn't want you covered and riddled with sin and guilt. He wants you in freedom today. Jesus came to save sinners. And I want to say this. Tonight, I believe that you are going to receive His mercy, but you need to show mercy to yourself. And you are going to walk out of here as a minister of mercy. Amen. I'd like you to receive that. Could you just, whenever you just, could I just pray for you right now? Would you just bow your heads for a moment? Oh my God. I just thank you, Father, for your great mercy, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that I, I raised before you tonight that person is just really drowning in their own sin and their own foolishness. They're feeling so worn out. They're riddled with guilt. They're riddled with shame. And they really, really think that they disappointed you. God, we know you can't be disappointed because you see the beginning from the end. And I'm praying, God, today that your people would experience your mercy right now. Abundantly, I'm asking God for these souls to fully accept your grace, that they can really be free, that they can go out and be ministers of mercy as you intended for each of us to be, Lord. 
And God, I just pray for our church that each one of us would be ministers of mercy, ministers of your grace. And with every person we come into contact with, that we would bring their balance to zero, that there can be revival in this church, revival in our land, in the mighty name of Jesus. Just receive it. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. I want to ask if you can just keep your your heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment because I, I really think that there are people here tonight, maybe you online, maybe in the other venues, that you just feel like you're just so far from God. And I mean, you don't even know, am I a Christian? Am I not a Christian? But you know that your relationship with God is, is just needs work. It's not what it should be. And you really want to make a change. You want to be free. You want to receive this closeness, this joy, this peace, this blessedness that God has promised to us. And all you've got to do is just surrender your life to Jesus. And I mean, maybe you say, just, I don't even know how to do that. Well, it's easy. I would like to just, in a few moments, I'd like to just pray with you. And God is going to set you free and He's going to make you His child and you will spend eternity in heaven with Him. And so tonight, I'm going to also ask if there's maybe someone here and you think, you know, I've listened to this and I my life is not what it should be. I just want to rededicate myself to the Lord. Or you can pray with us and you'd have the same thing. Or maybe you're not sure, am I really going to heaven? Am I not going to heaven? You can be sure. I'm going to just ask you, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you just there where you are, just raise up your hand real high. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, or if you want to be sure you're going to heaven, just raise up your hand right now. One, two, three. Raise it up real high. If you're at home, raise it up. I see those hands. Thank you. If you're at home, raise your hand up. The Holy Spirit can see your hand there. In the other venues, just raise up your hand right there where you are. Just keep your hand up real high. Thank you so much. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. I want you to know tonight that if ever there was a battle in the spiritual realm for your soul, it is right now. The devil will do everything in his power to stop you from raising your hand. Just put it up. Just put it up. Just put it up. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this with me, please. Just say this, Jesus, today, I receive your mercy and your grace that you gave to me when you died in my place on the cross. You gave me your life. And right now, I give you mine. I believe you are the true and living God, that you died and that you rose again. And with all that I am, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for taking me as your very own child. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Best decision of your life. Best decision of your life. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.